Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. We've raised almost $20,000 by donating $25 per vehicle sold to the Ask Childhood Cancer Foundation. So, to continue our fundraising efforts, we've got special savings all month long. Take advantage of our clearance pricing on remaining 2019 and 2020 models, as well as the incoming 2021 Hondas. You'll save on our entire lineup during the Honda Summer Clearance Event. Shop online now at cmascolonialhonda.com. See dealer for details. Expires 9-30-20. Looking for a top-tier university that is affordable? Coastal Carolina University offers more than 100 undergraduate and graduate programs designed to help you earn your degree. Visit coastal.edu and learn more about the coastal commitment to student learning and student-led research. Coastal Carolina University is consistently ranked as a top best value university in the South. Visit coastal.edu to learn more and schedule your campus tour. Hear ye, hear ye. It's time for the Sports King Show, live on Sports 1061. The show with scores, interviews, the hottest topics, and the biggest sports stories of the day. It's the show where you'll hear from the players that make the plays, as well as the key coaches and personnel who make it happen. All of this and live phone calls from you, the Sports King Nation. Now, direct from his castle, located in an undisclosed location in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, let's welcome to the throne, His Highness, Jamie King, the Sports King, on Sports 1061. And good morning, everybody. Thursday morning on the Sports King Show. Thank you, Big Al. Sports phone, of course, heard here every morning, 8 to 10. We follow that. 10 to 12, we've got a lot to get to, but before we do, we want to thank our sponsors for which we cannot do this program without. We want to thank the Nerve Company, NURV. Never underestimate radical vision. You can reach CEO Andrew Fisher and the outstanding team in Denver, Colorado. Good morning, Denver, by simply going to www.thinkoutsidethewebsite.com. They do graphics, website design, of which they do the Sports Kings website as well, Sports King Radio. Dot com and marketing plans they do it all and they do it at www.thinkoutsidethewebsite.com take a look at it you will be amazed at the talent they have on that staff how about our friends at cma's colonial honda they continue to keep lives moving forward go out see for yourself new cars used cars an amazing selection which can be delivered directly to your door if you'd like them to they did it for me they'll do it for you President General Manager Tim Cosgrove has the best car selling team in the country. They will make it happen for you every single time at CMA's Colonial Honda. And by the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross, Bethesda, Maryland, Springfield, Virginia, both to serve you. If you have a foot problem of any kind, Dr. Ross and his staff will get you on the road to recovery with offices in Springfield, Virginia, and Bethesda, Maryland. Join the over 240,000 patients and friends, as he calls them. I'm one of them that have been seen by the best in the business, Dr. Paul Ross and the Podiatry Center. The Sports King Show features the Ross Rules of Foot Care heard here weekly to help those in need of foot care advice and assistance. And today's topic is all about those bunions. Bunions coming up 1030. So if you got bunions, you know somebody that does, here's a place. You'll figure it out today with Dr. Ross. And don't look now. We welcome back Joe Moglia, the great one himself. As he brings you his report, brought to you exclusively by Coastal Carolina University. Listen to the current chairman of TD Ameritrade, who offers insight on life, finance, and sports. It's heard here weekly on the Sports King Show. It's the Joe Mowgli Report. And a little bit later, as I said, 1030 this morning, Dr. Ross will have the Ross Rules of Foot Care. 
And in 11 o'clock hour, it'll be Mike Neville, longtime broadcaster, will offer his insight on the sports news of the day. And, boy, we have so much to get to. Fast and furious this morning. Ben's got some great baseball news he talked about earlier. We'll have him talk about some historic uh, aspects of baseball, and, uh, the Braves included. So, you know, he's going to be smiling when he talks about that. But let's start the show with this. Steve Nash has been hired by the Brooklyn Nets for four years, a deal that I think is a great one for the Nets. He's a respected guy. He's a great player. I think he relates well. I think this will be a good move for a Brooklyn team in need of leadership. So Steve Nash, right out of the gates today, hired as, and of course, he's a Hall of Fame guard, so he knows what he's doing, and he will get the respect in the locker room. The other top news of the day, of course, a very sad note to pass along. Tom Seaver, the longtime Met, of course, he was... Many people feel he's gone on record. Uh, many people have gone on record saying the greatest Met of all time, Tom Seaver, has passed away at 75 years of age, battling some health conditions as well as some COVID aspects. Tom Seaver, 75. And we want to go back to a special time in the life of Tom Seaver to listen to his Hall of Fame speech. Here is a clip from Tom Seaver as Tom Terrific gets entered into the Hall. Where can you possibly start to say the words that will express what has taken place in a man's life over a 20-year period and beyond? For me, it's the last beautiful flower in the perfect bouquet. Anyone would think that a young kid from Fresno, California would ever end up in Cooperstown, New York. You say, how in the world can it happen? And it can happen very easily when you have the kinds of friends, the kinds of people, the kinds of support, the kinds of education, and most importantly, the kinds of family that I've had in my 47 years of living. Tom Seaver, who struggled with health conditions at the latter part of his life, passes at 75. But folks, make no mistake, Tom Seaver will go down in my record books as one of the greatest of all time as far as uh, top 10 all-time pitchers. You have to keep him in that list. He is just that dominant. What made him dominant to me was his fastball, of course, the way that he delivered it, a power pitcher that could definitely bring it. And he's a guy that had all kinds of movement on that fastball, and he was able to spot it. He had perfect placement and perfect mechanics, an absolute uh, genius with a baseball in his hand. Tom Seaver will be sorely missed. Of course, a very sad day for everybody in the baseball world, and especially in New York. He was beloved there a guy that was amazing in terms of his performance and a respected man on and off the field. Very sad news from New York on Tom Seaver passing at 75. More sad news to pass along, and I hate to start the show like this, but this just came in. Uh, Cliff Robinson, of course, the former great Portland Trailblazer, has passed away at age 53. There are no uh, major details um except uh, something just did break uh, before they said nothing was going to be revealed. Now they said he has passed away due to lymphoma. So that was the cause of death, uh, much too young age of 53 for Cliff Robinson. I like Cliff Robinson as a player. He had a 461-game streak of playing. He was a talented guy. He played hard. He gave you everything he had. He was a very good guy, looked at from a standpoint of a great teammate, you never heard him in any type of uh, major controversy. He gave you everything he had. 
He was great on those Blazers teams. Another sad loss. John Thompson, Cliff Robinson, Tom Seaver. The hits keep coming, folks, in terms of sports. Losing some great ones. And that's why we always talk about, you know, when you watch your favorite players, enjoy every moment. And we talked to Joe Beninati of the Capitals, the announcer there, and he said when he watches the great eight Alex Ovechkin and guys like um, – uh, you know, that have been passed through Rod Langways, the guys that have come through before Nicholas Backstrom. When you see these kind of players, no matter what the sport, you have to enjoy them because you don't know through injuries and what, what not may, what may happen. But when you see guys like Cliff Robinson gone much too early, a uh, big smile, great player and sorely missed will be Cliff Robinson passing at 53 there. Some happier news in Washington for the Washington football team. They have announced that the starting quarterback will be Dwayne Haskins Jr. Not major surprise here, but nonetheless, I thought it might play out a little bit more. And evidently, they've seen enough to know that he is uh, above both Alex Smith and Kyle Allen. So what do I think about this situation? Well, I'll tell you. I'm going in with much trepidation. I don't know. I know he's lost weight. I know he's worked hard. I know I'm hearing great things from the park. I hear great things from my guys that are watching him every day. There's a lot of upside here. Things are looking better. But it's against your team. It's different when you have guys in other uniforms coming at you at full speed. It's marketably different than it is when you're going against 7-on-7 or air or uh, teammates that are not intended to touch you because you have the jersey on, you can't be touched. So now we have to understand that as he lines up under center, how is he going to do when he's got live fire? You know, Sam Huff, the great linebacker, talked to me one night at dinner in Pittsburgh. We sat there and he said, Jamie, I'll tell you, they're great players that can light it up in practice. He said, but then when you turn on those lights and when you're having to make a play, that's when the mark of a player is. And I sat there and thought to myself, wow, you know, he's talking about, you know, he said all these great players he saw through the years that could just light it up in the practice field but could never transfer it to game night. So now it's time for Dwayne Haskins Jr. to do that. What do you think about that, him being named starting quarterback, 804-327-0888? Love to hear from you on that. And some really big news, folks, in the world of the NFL I asked Ron Rivera and the powers that be on the Washington football team to make calls to Florida inquiring about Leonard Fournette, but don't look now, Buccaneer fans, fire the cannons because Leonard Fournette has signed a deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What does this mean? Well, while I'm not saying get your Super Bowl plans ready because the Super Bowl is coming through Tampa, as you know, it will be interesting to see now that you got Ronald Jones back there with Shady McCoy. You've got the guy out of the backfield, third down back in McCoy, a guy that can run out of the tailback situation. You've got Ronald Jones. And now, don't look now, but you've got a bruising big back that can break it, that can run with speed, run with power and short yardage, and catch out of the backfield. This is another stroke of genius for Bruce Arians. And don't look now, Buccaneers fans, but you are trying to make that ascension to that Super Bowl run. Could it be in Florida that the Buccaneers have all the pieces? Well, before we print those Super Bowl tickets and make plans to go to Tampa for the Super Bowl, 
in Tampa Bay, you have to ask yourself, how is this going to work? Yes, you've got an aging Tom Brady. You've got Gronkowski. You've got a great wide receiver core. Offensive line, they shored up. Running backs, you're looking good. Defensively could be the bugaboo. Yes, they're going to be solid on defense. you got Todd Bowles down there, so you know they're going to be a solid defense. But do they have any holes in that defense? So that's going to be the question. Offensively, we're going to be okay if you're a Bucks fan. I think they're going to be the best red zone team out there in my estimation i've gone on record saying this i think they'll dominate in the red zone i am worried though can they protect brady and if they can it could be big things and that cannon will be firing off the jolly roger consistently in tampa bay that's my take i think this buccaneer squad is loaded and now you added leonard fournette the future is now in tampa bay or as they call it tampa ray or tampa bay it's Tom's team down there, and of course, at the Ray J, it's going to be electric because the Buccaneers are ready to make a run. Bruce Arians feels he's got all the pieces now. Last year with Jameis Winston, he of 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, not so much. You didn't know what you were going to get like Forrest Gump in a box of chocolates every week with Jameis Winston was a crapshoot. Maybe he'd be good. Maybe he'd be bad. Up, down. You never knew what you were going to get from Jameis Winston. Talented guy here, not so talented there. I saw looks on Bruce Arians' face. He put his hand to his face as Jameis Winston would walk by after one of his 30 interceptions with Arians looking at him like he had three heads, wondering, son, what are you doing? And as a former head coach, you want to get inside a player's mind and ask him, what are you thinking, what are you seeing? An occasional interception here or there is one thing, but 30 interceptions with bad decision-making, some of those are tips, some of those can't be helped. But by and large, Winston, who could be talented and may be talented now that he's left, wasn't a great fit with Arians. For whatever reason, it just didn't click. Now you've got Brady there, and things seem to be clicking left and right. So Tom Brady has some pieces, and when he turns around, he has a big back. He has Shady McCoy. He has Jones. He's got all the mixes back there. You've got a variation of running attacks and running modes with guys that can catch out of the backfield. So Bruce Arians has all the pieces back there in the backfield. Brady has a complimentary running attack now. Offensive line's getting stronger. If he can get a few more pieces on that defense or that defense comes to play the way they want them to, if you're a Tampa fan, this could be a team many people are going on record saying we'll win their division. So that remains to be seen. A lot of work to be done. Of course, you got some battles with Drew Brees and those Saints, which have a lot to say about it. Matty Ice and the Falcons have a lot to say about it. But right now, you've got to say with the addition of Fournette, while it's not going to be you know a Brady-like signing, it is a huge signing for Tampa in regards to the running attack. It gives them a dimension they did not have you know, 48 hours ago. Now they have it. So now they have everything they need to make a real serious run. And as I said, that red zone, folks, if you are into fantasy, and many of you out there listening are, if you're looking for that high-scoring offense, whoever draws this team right here, look at them and say, hey, you got something special because they do. That team is going to absolutely light it up. They have been busting their tails down there, practicing, 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 and they're getting so much better. The word that I have down there in terms of their execution, sometimes ball's not hitting the ground. They're getting 
uh, you know, pass after pass, completion after completion. Brady is looking so crisp. He's ready to go. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And you say to yourself, a guy with six world titles, multiple MVPs, what drives him? Well, if you think for one second the fact that he was sent out of New England, basically, he leaves there, and now he's going to a new team. And if you think he doesn't want to prove to Belichick and all the naysayers that not only do I have gas left in the tank, but I can take this act elsewhere and win, whereas you might not be able to there, but watch what I do here, and I'll show you it wasn't all the hood. It was TB12. So that's my take there, 804-327-0888. What do you think about Dwayne Haskins Jr.? What do you think about the addition of Leonard Fournette? It's a situation we're looking at, and we want to look at uh, very, very closely because Fournette is a missing piece the Bucks needed. We're going to come back with your phone calls much, much more, 804-327-0888. On this Thursday morning, we'll be right back with more Sports King after these messages. Hi, everybody. It's Joe Moglia, the former head football coach of Coastal Carolina, as well as the chairman of the board of TD Ameritrade. You're listening to my friend Jamie King on the Sports King Show on Sports 106.1. Let's get back to the guy who said where there's a will, there's a relative. Oh, you're listening to Sports King right here on Sports 106.1. Welcome back, everybody. Dr. Ross going to join us here in about five minutes. The Ross Rules of Foot Care heard here exclusively on the Sports King program. Facebook Live, Sports 106.1. Got a lot to get to. Steve Nash named the new coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Four-year deal just came across. And, of course, the Skins have named starting quarterback Dwayne Haskins Jr., Leonard Fournette to the Bucks. And I wanted to touch on this real quick. The Dallas Cowboys and uh, they're talking about the situation involving the national anthem. Dak Prescott believes it should be an individual choice. M- Mike McCarthy supports his quarterback. That's what this country is all about, the freedom to do that, the freedom to express yourself, Prescott said on Wednesday. We heard Mr. Jones talk about grace and sharing grace and having grace with players and what they want to do. If I had it my way, that's exactly what we do is express ourselves individually but support one another collectively. On Thursday, McCarthy said, I think it's what's best for us. I think the individuality of expressing yourself is part of the decision. I saw Dak's comments this morning, and I think he expressed it very well. I thought he hit the nail right on the head, and that's the way we'll move forward. And the Cowboys, of course, everybody's going to be looking at them on September 13th opener against the Rams, and people are going to wonder how they will stand or kneel uh, people be watching, and what's your take? Should they kneel? Should they stand? Many people come down on this different ways. I don't like, as a former coach, I don't like the individuality of it. I like the fact that if you're in tennis or golf, that's fine. You can do that. But football is called a team for a reason. I think they should decide if uh, there is going to be a different anthem being played. Uh, that they can kneel for, and then the national anthem they could stand for. I'd like to see uniformity. I'd like to see togetherness, and I'd like to see players uh, all on one side of it versus a bunch of fragmented folks out there. I just don't like the look. I don't think it's a good look for the NFL. I don't think it's a good look from a team standpoint because we all need to move forward or not forward together. I just think individuality, saying, hey, you know, 
uh, it's not an individual sport. It's a team sport. So we should all be together in this, I think, have a locker room discussion and decide on a team vote, whatever it may be, and come through that way. Because the other thing is, you know, you notice, and you've seen this with the 49ers, Callan Kaepernick, uh, situations where they show the entire team standing, and then you get the one guy kneeling, and it kind of focuses everything on the one guy versus the team, whereas it's a team sport. That's what I'm saying. You want to make sure that uh, if you have that message, there's certain times to do that, there's certain times to speak out. I just think they should do it all together or not at all. So just my take, what's yours? 804-327-0888 is the number. Dr. Ross will be joining us momentarily. And we do want to talk about the NBA, of course, some big games last night. We'll get into that after Dr. Ross. But, uh, of course, we do know that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, getting back to our earlier point, it's Super Bowl or bust right now for the Bucs. Bruce Arians has loaded it up. The wagon is full of talent, and now it's just a matter of them performing for him, and he's one of the best coaches in the NFL. I've gone on record saying that. I believe that the Bucks definitely have a future there in terms of big things for this year and maybe next as well. So they are not fooling around. They're making a run for it, and we'll see how it works in Tampa. Last night, I do want to say this. I saw the NBA, and we'll play some cuts here in a little bit, but I'm very disappointed in the refereeing. Now, some people can say, well, you know, they were ticky-tack calls. But both of the calls in the game uh, with the uh, situation of the Buck situation, and Mike Neville will join us at 11 o'clock hour, I called it and said the Bucks would win it all. Folks, the Milwaukee Bucks, if I'm Mike Budenholzer, I'd go in and break a chair. I'd do something to get somebody's attention and say, fellas, what are you doing? Because... I used to tell my players this the same thing. If, and this from a coaching standpoint, if you let a team hang around, and I tell my guys this all the time, if you let a team hang around for a half and they're close to you, they're thinking, hey, we can play with these guys. You let them hang around the third quarter, their confidence starts to grow. And if you're looking up at five, six minutes left and you're in that tight ball game, only a few points, you give them all the confidence they need to think that they can get this one. All they need is a play or two, and they can take it from you. So my process uh, from a thought aspect was always, let's bury them. Let's get on top of them. Hold your foot down and don't let them off the ground. Basically, do not let your foot off the gas, period. You can't afford to if you're trying to impose your will and beat a team in the submission. you got to do that. You have to have that mentality. You can't let people up when you have them down. You have to basically say to yourself, you know, if we're going to win this, let's do it impressively. But when you leave people around you in that fourth quarter, you let them think that they're with you. You give them hope, and next thing you know, they beat you. They steal it. And last night, I'm not taking anything away from the Miami Heat. But as I talked to Mike Neville, the score was, you know, 8, 10 points. Then it got down to 5, then 4, then 3. And the 3 could tie it, next thing you know. There was a foul. We'll get into all that, but it's tied, and then they end up losing. But the Bucks now are down 0-2 to the Miami Heat. The team with the best record in the NBA is in deep trouble, folks. And that's my team. That's the team that I said would win it all. And right now, they need to wake it up quick. Because if you somehow go down 0-3, forget it. They have no chance, in my opinion. I think right now they are really reeling. And the key is... They've let this Miami Heat team hang around, get up on them early, no sense of urgency, 
no sense of desperation, and you have to have that. That first quarter last night, they got blown out in the first. And you're sitting there saying to yourself, why is Milwaukee just meandering out there, just kind of fooling around, not really showing any type of really, hey, the playoffs are now. we got to get this done now. There is no tomorrow. I didn't feel that. And then that goes to Budenholzer, the coach. That goes to Giannis. It goes to all the players. I didn't see any urgency in this game to the final few minutes. And by then, it's too late because you let that team hang around to your detriment. And next thing you know, you lose the game. And, of course, the nightcap after that was Houston. And, of course, that game with OKC, another great game there. But I can tell you what, Chris Paul, James Harden, who played awful. I mean, he was abysmal in a game seven. And I will tell you this, as the Rockets advance and go to play the Lake Show on two days rest, they better get their things together with Mike D'Antonio because of the fact that you can't play the Lakers like you did last night with Harden scoring nothing virtually uh, like he normally does. He played great defense, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but it's a situation where you say to yourself, you know, this Rockets team, just when I think I've got a grip on what they do, kind of the logic there i just don't understand they don't play the way they're supposed to all the time and that is to their detriment that's what could be their death knell if they don't come out and play they get that small ball approach but they've got to play better on both ends of the court last night they played defensively very well so that's something good to see if you're mike d'antonio but offensively just kind of missing last night it was a situation that wasn't good and a situation that they've got to improve in a hurry because the Lakers are going to be unrelenting in what they're going to bring there. So that's the situation as far as that goes. We'll talk more about this in the uh, next 10 or 15 minutes as far as the overall NBA picture. But there's some things that I'm starting to see that I'm like, wow, I just don't know in terms of uh, what's going on with this NBA playoff picture. Every time I think I've got my you know arms wrapped around it, I, I just can't. Uh, totally get the picture straight because the teams I think should be playing great aren't. Some news and notes right now. The Titans have reached a deal with expatriates kicker Stephen Goskowski. The Tennessee Titans have agreed to a contract with the former New England Patriots kicker. Titans wave kicker Greg Joseph, who signed with Tennessee at the end of last season in a corresponding move. Joseph had been competing with undrafted rookie Tucker McCann for the team's kicking job. Guskowski is a former teammate of Titans head coach Mike Vrabel, who was with the Patriots during Guskowski's first three seasons, 2006 to 2008. The Patriots released Guskowski on March 23rd, ending the kicker's tenure with the team after 14 seasons. Guskowski, who is coming off left hip surgery, that shortened his 2019 season to four games, has been the Patriots' full-time kicker since 2006 when he replaced Adam Vinatieri, the uh, franchise's uh, all-time scoring leader with 1,775 points. Gustowski is long in the tooth. He turned 36 in January, was the Patriots' longest-tenured player. Once quarterback Tom Brady signed with Tampa Bay, Guskowski was scheduled to count $4.8 million against the salary cap. He was 374 for 428 on field goals, 87.4%, which is excellent. Patriots in uh, 653 of 664 on point after attempts, 98%. That didn't include the playoffs where he was 31 and 36 for field goals and 79 for 83 on PATs. His strong right leg was also valuable in long kickoffs. So Guskowski is definitely a step in the right direction for the Titans, who picked up the former Patriot. And of course, Vrabel knows him real well. So that was a very, very good move there. But you're looking at a guy that uh, 
definitely uh, has big game experience. He knows what to do, when to do it, in a situation that I think is going to be a nice addition for them. Uh, the Patriots, of course, speaking to them, uh, they have cut uh, Mohamed Sanu, and this was surprising to me. They've informed the veteran that they have no in, uh, intention of keeping him around. The NFL Network first reported this. The Patriots acquired Sanu last year from the Atlanta Falcons for a second-round pick, a significant investment that resulted in Sanu playing only nine games for the team. The team does not believe that he's the guy for the future. He was due to earn $6.5 million this season, which is a high figure based on his projected role as a number four receiver uh, receiving option. So here's the deal. If you're a Washington football team fan, as I am, you go out and call Mohamed Sanu. He's a big guy. He's a big play guy. He still has a lot left in the tank. I don't know financially if it'll work under the cap, but you're looking at a guy in Sanu that would be a big target also to bring in because, let's face it, Logan Thomas is our tight end right now. Uh, Randy Moss's son, Thaddeus, is on the shelf. We don't have really what I call quality depth at tight end and a guy that you can put over there in that situation. Sanu would be a guy you could put in there uh, and be a guy that could definitely come in and do some big things. So you're excited about what he brings to the table. So I would say definitely uh, Sanu would be a guy you want. Of course, he's a uh, guy's talented. He, he and Matty Ice had a great uh, combination there, and now he is going to be moving on from New England. So that's that situation there. Love to hear from you. 804-327-0888 is the number. And uh, as we... Uh, continue on our Thursday Sports King program here. Other news that uh, we'd like to pass along, Kirk Cousins, uh, uh, taking a page from Ivan Drago from Rocky, said basically about the coronavirus, if I die, I die. I'm like, come on, unbelievable. Well, we're going to do this now. I want you to just listen to Kirk Cousins. Of course, not the biggest Kirk Cousins fan here, and of course he's talking about the coronavirus and a situation that's uh, serious for everyone, but Kirk Cousins kind of has his own take. Let's take a listen to the Vikings quarterback, Kirk Cousins. I I would say I'm I'm going to go about my daily life. If I get it, I'm going to ride it out. I'm going to let nature do its course. Uh, uh, survival of the fittest kind of an approach, and just say yeah. if it knocks me out, it knocks me out. Uh, I'm I'm going to be okay. Uh, you know, even if I die, if I die, I die. I kind of have peace about that. So that's that's really where I fall on it. So my opinion, you know, wearing a mask and and is really about being respectful to other people. It really has nothing to do with my own personal, personal thoughts. So Kirk Cousins, uh, basically talking on a podcast about the fact that, uh, he wants to respect people that wear the mask. And we certainly recommend you do where, uh, it's being asked to be worn, of course, for the safety of others. Uh, I wear mine. Of course, people have asked me, what do you think sports King about the mask situation? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it sucks. I mean, that's for me. I don't like it. But what I don't like, you know, I'm not a fan of beets either, but if I had to eat beets to be healthier, sometimes you got to do what you don't want to do. This is a situation here where uh, I don't care for masks, uh, the way they make you feel, the you know, all the things you hear, the negatives about them. But, you know, if it's an edict from the powers of be saying to protect others this is what you need to do, I'm going to do what's the best for everyone. And I know many of you out there, I don't know many people saying, you know, I really look forward to wearing my mask today. It's just something people don't enjoy, but we're doing it for the safety of others. And uh, we have to do what we have to do to get through this. Now, the good positive news is people are talking about 
the therapeutics of the situation heading towards the end of October, possibly that there could be this trial situation where the vaccines will be in play. We may have something really to hang our hat on and man, hallelujah. If that happens, the prayers and hopes are that we have something that works that we can get back to life as we knew it. And boy, won't that be a beautiful day when it happens, something that we're all looking forward to a situation that we didn't see coming. And then, Five, six months ago, we're looking at a situation that has just totally turned everybody upside down. But we're seeing some semblance of the normalcy in some ways that we're hopeful for. Of course, it won't be a total normal season this year in terms of things like the NFL. And, of course, we've got all kinds of sport, horse racing situations, baseball going on. But I do want to let you know, seven days, folks, seven days from today, the NFL is back Hallelujah. I am so excited. Texans and Chiefs. Absolutely. When you hear from Coach Ogeron, you know it's going to be a great day. I am so fired up. People out there, I don't know what your favorite sport is, but I can tell you for me, it's always been college football, pro football. There's an excitement for me that's unlike any other. I just love every aspect of the sport of football. And you know it's one of those things you look forward to. Many of you like the March Madness. Many of you like the Wimbledon's, the U.S. Opens, all those different sports. But football for me, you know, the ultimate team sport, you have so much going on, so many chess matches going on, so many teams with hopes. Everybody's a zero and zero right now. So even my Washington football team has a chance. How much of a chance? I don't know. But I do know this. We have a chance, and that's what we're excited about here to start the season. Of course, Washington should be much better, hopefully improved on the field, off the field, a complete disaster. Daniel Snyder, more allegations have come out. We don't know if he's going to survive this. We do know there's all kinds of innuendos going on and more stories coming out, and we just wonder when it's going to stop. Uh, how many hits can this team continue to take? And you wonder how many can the owner take before he's going to be replaced. But as of right now, he's there. And that's a situation with Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. And we're hearing that Ron Rivera has been ma maintaining his schedule despite the cancer diagnosis. We're certainly hoping and praying for his uh, quick recovery as he battles through that and gets ready for an NFL season. And, of course, Rivera, who has the weight of the world on his shoulders, trying to make sure that everything in the building is working right, has to worry about what's working outside the building, make sure the team puts out a product that's going to be solid and successful. So, you know, sky is the limit, we hope, for this Washington football team. New pieces in place. We still need more. Uh, Mohamed Sanu would be one of them. I don't know if that's going to work. Leonard Fournette did not get any action in Washington. We didn't hear about anything there, but the Buccaneers do have him now. So they just added a big piece to their puzzle heading towards, hopefully, what they hope is a Super Bowl berth. We're going to take a timeout and come back with your phone calls, 804 Three two seven zero eight eight eight. What do you think about Steve Nash going to Brooklyn? New head coach there. What do you think about the late great Tom Seaver? What do you think about the Skins and their new quarterback uh, who was there last year? Of course, he's hoping for big things. Dwayne Haskins Jr. and Leonard Fournette to the Bucks. Do you think they'll make the Super Bowl? Was this the piece they needed? All that and more as the Sports King rolls on Thursday morning. Hi, this is three-time Super Bowl champion number 71, defensive end Charles Mann, and you're listening to the Sports King Show live on Sports 106.1. Don't go away. He'll be right back. 
With 19 NCAA Division I sports and 84 majors, Coastal Carolina University affords student-athletes the competition and learning they crave. From FBS football to ladies volleyball, from championship baseball to ladies lacrosse, from business to theater arts, Coastal Carolina University offers a depth of learning both on the field and in the classroom. Eager ambition is a hallmark of students and faculty at Coastal Carolina University. Schedule a tour and learn more at coastal.edu. Want to race the sports king? Call 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. Learn it. Know it. Live it. Welcome back, everybody. Thursday morning on the Sports King alongside Ben Maitland on the Sports King, Jamie King. And I want to bring my friend Ben Maitland in here and talk some baseball. Ben, some historic aspects. I heard you speak with Big Al on Sports Phone, and um, you want to go through some of those home runs. It's some things that we haven't seen before and some excitement. Of course, uh, you want to talk about this with a smile because it involves your Atlanta Braves. Yeah, it was pretty cool last night, I'll be honest with you, uh, Jamie, to see um, what the team was able to accomplish. Um, a big sweep of the Red Sox up there at Fenway Park. First time I think the team has swept the Red Sox since all the way back in 2002, if you <laughs> if you want to go back that far. So um, pretty cool, i got to say. The uh, If you flash back to Tuesday night, Marcelo Zuna, uh, DHing for the Braves, of course he was signed in the offseason to just a one-year contract and has certainly lived up to it. Marcel went deep three times in the game on Tuesday night, and then last night, uh, teammate Adam Duvall, who has um, played a lot of outfield for the team this year, has spent time in left field, right field. Adam Duvall went deep uh, three times in the game last night. That makes Marcelo Zuna and Adam Duvall the first uh, teammates in Major League history to hit three or more home runs in consecutive games, which was uh, was mind-boggling. I thought that would have happened at some point you know, in the however many year history of Major League Baseball, you know, going back all the way to the 1800s. So um, Ozuna three times on Tuesday out of the ballpark, and then Duvall three times last night out of the ballpark. First pair of teammates to have three uh, a three-homer performance in consecutive games. Uh, if you want to kind of throw a wrinkle into it, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig um, homered on consecutive days back in 19, I want to say 1930 is what I saw last night, but it was not consecutive games. I think double headers were involved. So they homered on consecutive days, but not in consecutive games. So um, the consecutive game mark there with Ozuna and Duvall is pretty is pretty cool, I got to say. And, and you factor in the sweep at you know sweeping the Red Sox and and staying atop the division right now in the National League East. It was a, a good three night stretch for Atlanta. Unbelievable, absolutely great stretch there. And of course, had a major dust up last night. Aroldis Chapman, of course, uh, throwing at people's heads. Uh, the Rays not liking it. I'm telling you. Uh, Mike Brousseau got some payback, of course, one night after getting a 101-mile-an-hour fastball thrown over his head, uh, one that led to both benches clearing. Brousseau hit two home runs at Tampa Bay, topped their American League East rivals 5-2 to two on Wednesday night. The Rays ended the season series, of course, with the Yankees with an 8-2 to two edge. And, of course, Brousseau just amazing in terms of this small market team. The Rays of Tampa Bay, it's a great time to be a Tampa Bay fan because of all of the ability they have as a small 
market team. They bring so much to the table, so much excitement. Been to Tropicana Park. It's one of those great parks we love. Uh, it's one of those teams that you say, man, how did they get every drop of juice out of that orange? But they do there in Tampa, and that Tampa Bay team has serious contentions to win it all. They really believe they can do it. Want to head out to the phone lines right now? He is our resident expert. It is time for the Ross Rules of Foot Care. Our main man, Dr. Paul Ross. Dr. Ross, so busy with those 240,000 patients plus. We missed you this morning, my man. How are you doing? I made it. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time for me today. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I know you're super busy up there, and of course, your surgery schedule, you've got two offices. That staff there is consistently the best of the best in terms of everybody there. I don't know if you have a rigorous interview schedule that you do and put them through, but everybody there, uh, the smiles up there and the treatment of everybody that comes through the door, and I watch this closely because I just observe a lot. I mean, man, they're just like you, and I guess you must say when you come here, you got to love what you do or, or this isn't the place for you because everybody there is happy all the time, which is exciting to see as a, as a patient coming in. Yeah, I mean, like every organization, you know, everybody is uh, takes their lead from the top, so I feel very fortunate that I have an amazing staff who uh, takes my lead, and we're happy to be here, and if you have uh, – a lot of complaining to do, and you're having uh, a bad lot in life. Well, maybe this isn't the place for you to be. Um, we we certainly know we have our each individual issues that we go through periodically, and we're happy to help each other make it all better. But the reality is, you just need to have a positive outlook. Otherwise, uh, you're not going to be part of our team. It's very simple. Absolutely. Dr. Ross, uh, can you tell us about your schedule? Of course, you've got the Springfield office, the Bethesda office. You and Dr. Matthews are together uh, a lot of times, and then you guys go back and forth. Can you let folks know when you'll be where and how it works for you? Yeah, sure. Well, essentially, uh, on every Monday and every Wednesday, I am in the Bethesda, Maryland office. Tuesday and Thursday, I am in the Springfield, Virginia office. And then on the opposite days, that's where Dr. Matthews. So we have coverage five days a week in both offices. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, 240,000 people have gone through and met with him. And the thing about it is that I love what you're doing on the cutting technology side. You've got people, and we talk to people all the time about reaching out to you. And despite your busy schedule with two offices, you'll still find time to do the FaceTime, the Zooming, to talk to people about their issues. And if you find a fit and it's a good situation, you'll invite them in, of course, for a one-on-one -on -one with you. But you have that offer now to people. How is that going on that side? That's going great. You know, certainly with uh, our COVID issue transpiring, our new norm where everybody's uh, pivoting and, and reassessing what the new norm is going to be. So we find that having that availability for either our patients and people who are not patients to just call and uh, if they're concerned about coming out, then we understand and we'll do what we can um, with our phone call. Our office has been COVID compliant when there's CDC regulations and both the Virginia and Maryland State Board of Health guidelines since day one, we haven't closed our offices. So we feel very safe in here and so do our patients. 
So if after a telemedicine visit, we find that we need to have somebody come into the office, we make that happen for them as well. And, of course, Dr. Ross has so much going on. Of course, he's been the Best of Bethesda Magazine Award winner multiple times. I mean, you have so many awards up there. I know right now there is a situation where uh, folks can actually vote. And, uh, you know, go, just go to paulrossdpm.com. Learn more. If you're in the Maryland area, please vote for Dr. Ross. Uh, it's hard to imagine you need votes, but, you know, with 240,000 folks in your corner, it's uh, something that's been special what about the support from the communities that come from all around, people from out of state? It's got to feel pretty good when you have different folks coming from out of state just to see you and get your expertise. That, that's got to make you feel really good every day. Well, it's quite the honor um, to have people come from not only the surrounding areas from where I, I practice, but certainly from adjacent states that come in for care. Um, you, you sort of you do your own thing within the confines that you've been doing it for years, and word gets out that you're you're doing something different and something special more than people are getting elsewhere. So I feel uh, I feel blessed and honored that uh, people are allowing me to take care of them and, and come from other states to come here. So it, right, it is uh, quite the honor, just like you said. Absolutely, and he's the very best in the business right now, folks. Without further ado. It's time for the weekly special. It's the Ross Rules of Foot Care. Today's topic, those pesky bunions. Without further ado, here he is, Dr. Paul Ross. Yeah, so a bunion is the term for the bone enlargement that protrudes out where your big toe and foot meet. A bunion can also form on the outside of the foot where the little toe and foot meet. We have, there's a lot of questions that people have, some misunderstandings, so I'm just going to go over a few of those. Uh, one of those, does wearing the wrong shoes cause a bunion? And bunions are almost always hereditary. Narrow shoes worn consistently can make the bunion hurt more, but not cause it. If shoes were the cause, men and children would never get bunions, and they do. Unfortunately, some people are just genetically predisposed to this condition. Another question, is there a splint that can correct a bunion? Uh, there are many splints on the market, but none of them can actually correct a bunion. Nothing will take away the enlarged bone and make the toe straight again other than surgery. Wearing a splint may slow down the progression of a bunion, but it will not correct it. Another question. I heard a bunion always comes back after being removed. Is that true? Although it's possible for a bunion to recur, when the right procedure is done, it's rare the bunion will return. The techniques for bunion correction keep getting better. Also, we recommend shoes with good support and custom orthotics to decrease the chance of recurrence. A very common question is, when is the best time to have the bunion removed? And everybody's different. There are a couple of reasons to consider having surgery. The first, when there is pain on a daily basis. The second is if the big toe starts overlapping the second toe. The size of the bunion doesn't always correlate with the pain. Some large bunions rarely hurt and some small bunions hurt a lot. We can advise you if to when surgery is indicated or not. Crutches generally are not necessary after every bunion surgery, but keeping pressure off the surgery site will decrease the pain and swelling. A walking boot is needed in most cases, and a fiberglass cast rarely is needed at all. It's generally safe to start exercising fully after bunion surgery about two months with simple walking. 
usually takes longer to start jogging again. Some people can use it as an exercise bike as early as three weeks after surgery. And the pain that you have after surgery many times is alleviated with uh, ibuprofen, ice, and some custom orthotics. And there isn't one size fits all surgery for all bunions. We always recommend a non-surgical approach to the bunions like we do for all foot conditions for as long as possible. Some bunions can get bigger and more painful quickly, and x-ray will guide us to the best option if this occurs. If you've had a bunion that hurts fairly often, we can advise you on the best course of action. So feel free to give us a call in our Maryland office at 301-656-6055, in our Virginia office at 703-451-2977. We're here to help, and we love to help you. Real quick. I got 30 seconds. Dr. Ross, why do cows have hooves instead of feet? Oh, I don't know. Because they lack toes. Anyway, it is what it is. Thank you. Dr. Ross, we love you. Have a great day, my man. Coming back, Mike Neville, as we come back for hour two of the Sports King. Don't go away. Hi, this is Philadelphia Eagles All-Pro running back Brian Westbrook, and you're listening to the Sports King Show on Sports 106.1. Coastal Carolina University offers you the academic experiences you need to succeed after college. From marine science to computer science, from theater to music technology, from hospitality management to health administration, there is a place for you at Coastal Carolina University. With inspired learning opportunities in the classroom, in the field, online, and around the world, Coastal Carolina offers the opportunities to support and empower your success. Visit coastal.edu to learn more. You're listening to a man whose yoga instructor asked him how flexible he was, and he replied that he couldn't do Tuesdays. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks to Dr. Paul Ross. The Ross Rules of Foot Care heard here weekly. We want to thank the rest of our sponsors, the Nerve Company, Never Underestimate Radical Vision. You can reach CEO Andrew Fisher and his outstanding team in Denver, Colorado. Go to www.thinkoutsidethewebsite.com for more information. How about our friends at CMA's Colonial Honda? They continue to keep lines moving forward. Go out and see for yourself new cars, used cars, an amazing selection which can be delivered directly to your door if you'd like them to. President and General Manager Tim Cosgrove has the best car-selling team in the country. They'll make it happen for you every single time. That's CMA's Colonial Honda. And you just heard him, Dr. Paul Ross. 240,000 people have been through his doors. You could be one of them. If you have any foot issues whatsoever, give him a call. Paul Ross and the Ross Fools Rules of Foot Care were heard moments ago, uh, of course, to help anybody in need of foot care advice and assistance. It's a weekly staple of the Sports King Show. And don't forget Joe Mowgli of the Joe Mowgli Report, brought to you exclusively by Coastal Carolina University. Listen to the current chairman of TD Ameritrade, who offers insight on life, finance, and sports. Heard here weekly on the Sports King Show. It's a return of the Joe Mowgli Report. And somebody else we're excited about the return of. You know him, folks. You love him. MHN, Mike, Harold, Neville joins us. And, of course, very happy as the Boston Celtics are up two games and none. We'll talk about that right off the bat. Mike, let's go around the sports world right now. I want to get your take before we get to the NBA. The news just broke. Steve Nash has been hired as the coach of the Brooklyn Nets. How is that going to play? The Hall of Fame guard, great player, much respected. What do you think in terms of how the fit is there for Brooklyn? Well, 
Well, you know, Jamie, when you talk about great players, first of all, it's great to be alongside of you once again, but you talk about great players, uh, how uh, they can transform into good coaches or great coaches. It doesn't happen often. You know, Magic tried to do it with the Lakers and failed miserably. Larry Bird, of course, very successful with the Indiana Pacers. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how Nash does, and especially with Kyrie Irving, you know, uh, as a, a guard and uh, how much uh, Nash will be able to influence Kyrie Irving and uh, got, a, got a decent team, but uh, kind of a, you know, this kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't know Nash was interested in coaching, but uh, I think he certainly has all the uh, tools and all the, uh, you know, credentials to be a successful coach. And we'll see if he can transform that uh, uh, from the uh, playing ranks into the uh, coaching ranks. Mike, on a sad note, uh, former Portland Trailblazer star Clifford Robinson passes away today, 53 years of age from lymphoma. Your take on the great career of Clifford Robinson. I like the guy. I always gave you everything you had. A great teammate, big smile, uh, played real hard for that team, and I uh, thought uh, he gave everything he had as a player. Your take on his career. But Jamie, this one kind of hits home because he was from Buffalo. He was a uh, Western New York uh uh, growing up playing high school ball in Western New York and, of course, uh, went on. Really got the uh, UConn uh, success started in men's basketball uh, back in the 80s and, uh, you know, it had a very solid uh, NBA career and uh, very quiet, uh, didn't see, didn't do a lot of showboating and uh, a very solid player and uh, sad news, such a young age, 53 years old. It, uh, you know, it uh, really was sad me to, to see that happen. But uh, like I say, uh, well, probably one of the two greatest players uh, ever in Western New York with Bob Lanier being the other one who played for St. Bonaventure and then went on to have a pro career with the Milwaukee Bucks. So, uh, you know, that, that one kind of hits home a little bit, but uh, sad to hear, uh, especially at such a young age, 53 years old. Absolutely. He will be sorely missed. Uh, turning our attention to the NBA, we're going to get some cuts here in a minute, but let me go on record saying this, folks. While the Sports King had a big helping of Crow this morning, uh, don't like to say this because Sports King is never wrong usually unless his wife tells him or Mike yeah. Neville tells him. But uh, I will say this. It was Mike Neville on these airwaves at the beginning of the week talking about the Miami Heat. I wasn't buying into Jimmy Butler and that group. I still think the Milwaukee Bucks will right this ship. And somehow they had a team meeting last night at a diner. I don't know how that went, but. I do know this, that if they're not panicked, they need to be panicked to get back on track. I said from the start, the Bucks will win it all. I still feel that, albeit very nervously, as Mike Neville went on record saying not only did he think the Heat could win, he felt he'd give them everything that they could handle. And now, don't look now, but they're up two games to none. And I want to play a cut for you at the end of the game last night in a game that the Heat won 116-114. Chris Middleton drew a foul on a three-point attempt. This is what it sounded like. Giannis trying to set the screen to free Corver. Hill finds Corver, gives it up to Middleton, launches a three, and he's fouled! That has been the story of the game. It's happened seven or eight times where a three-point shooter has been fouled, and Middleton with a chance to tie the game at the foul line. Now, I was talking to Mike Neville at that point because they were up on like uh, 9, 10 points, and you looked like you were uh, cashing that ticket. And I said, wait a minute, not so <laughs> fast, my friend. But on this foul, Mike, the leg extended out a little bit. Ticky-tack, because I didn't like either one of these calls at the end of this ball game. What did you think about this play in particular on the Middleton three? Did you think it was a foul? Would you have called it at that particular point of the game? 
Jamie, you can't have referees take over the game at the, in the last few seconds. Uh, both of those calls were horrendously bad. Uh, the Middleton call and then the, the Giannis, uh, you know, just, just barely grazing Jimmy Butler. He falls to the floor and gets the two, uh, gets to go to the line to win it. Uh, so they're two terrible calls and you just can't, you gotta let the players decide the games. And this is why fans get upset with referees because they, they take over the game. You gotta let it go. I mean, uh, you know, Milwaukee would have screamed and so so forth, saying Middleton was fouled. But I, I don't think it was a foul. Just like you know, Milwaukee screamed about you know the Greek freak touching, barely touching uh, Jimmy Butler and getting called for a foul. So it's it just just a terrible ending. But you know that that game should not have came down to those situations. Miami just choked in the last 19 seconds. They're up by six or eight points. Butler gets trapped in the sideline. Should have called timeout. Instead, makes a terrible cross court. Uh, pass that Lopez steals and scores. And Lopez was actually fouled on that play, but they didn't call that one. That right. was a foul. And they, yeah. they called one uh, Milton on the three and then uh, Butler at the end. But uh, Miami really did not look good at the end of that game. Uh, they, But this is, again, uh, Jamie, a young team that's not used to being in situations where they can close out games in the playoffs. But uh, they're able to prevail. They're up two love. Uh, obviously, game number three is a must-win, in my opinion, for Milwaukee. But they... Um, Miami's done a great job of defending the Greek freak and uh, Milwaukee overall. And, uh, you know, uh, very, uh, uh, you know, just playing very well. And Spolster is a terrific coach. Absolutely. And Mike Neville on the Miami Heat bandwagon to end that game. Butler was found by Giannis or was he? I thought this was abysmal in terms of calls. Like Mike said, let the players play as a fan. I want the players to win the game, not the referees to have the impact they did. This one, he barely touched his side. It was a flop as he fell back. He fell back with his momentum. Giannis had nothing to do with it. This is what that final play sounded like, sending Butler to the line to hit two free throws to win it with no time left. It's 114 all. Let the players play, but in this case, they didn't. Take a listen to the final play of the game. All right, 4.3. Miami inbounds. Here's Butler with three. Butler with two. With one. Butler against Matthews. Gets it away. And no good. Do we have a foul? We do. A foul is called. And Jimmy Butler can win it at the line. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) So this is just for the scoring here but Miami up 2-0 in the series wow after blowing the lead unbelievable so my Milwaukee Bucks are on hard times now <laughs> down two games to nothing Mike Neville looks like a genius and he is 116-114 in that one but uh, as I say not over yet but boy it's going to take a monumental comeback now let's go to the nightcap Mike another exciting game a game seven Rockets Thunder I told you I thought the well let me go back from it that heat Bucks game the reason I think the Bucks are in trouble Mike they get off to such an abysmal start Budenholzer needs these guys to play once they get off the bus they were down 38-29 after one so that inconsistent consistency for them they just don't have that urgency factor that scares me there anyway now moving to the nine o'clock game the later game it was the thunder and rockets game seven where the rockets win 104 102 in this one uh you know we got harden who didn't play well offensively whatsoever but it was his defense and a block at the end that saved this game 104 102 what do you think about this rocket squad it just uh uh, the Thunder gave them everything they could handle. You said that going into this one. You thought it'd be close. It was. And the Rockets win the series four games to three, 104-102, your take. 
Well, I was getting, uh, Jamie, when you told me I was going to be on your show, I was getting all ready to rip Harden because it seems like in Game 7, this guy disappears offensively, and that was the case last night. However, I never thought I'd say this in my lifetime. James Harden's <laughs> defense? Yeah, James Harden's <laughs> defense uh, as he blocked that shot. I never thought I'd be saying that in my lifetime, but uh, great effort by Harden. Uh, he really did struggle offensively, and if you remember in the previous games uh, in playoff history with him, uh, he doesn't do well in elimination games, and uh, struggles uh, mightily, and he struggled last night, but they found a way to get it done. Uh, Covington, who's, I'm a big fan of Robert Covington. I thought when he was at the 76ers, he was a Celtics killer, and uh, he had a big game, and then uh, Gordon had a big game as well, and uh, so, and PJ Tucker as well. I mean, they're just, uh, they played well last night, and, uh, you know, 102 points is what they held OKC. That's uh, getting the job done defensively, and again, Harden with that block to seal the win, so, uh, now they move on. I believe they take on the Lakers in the semis. So uh, that should be an interesting series as well. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, Covington, Mike Neville spoke of 21 points. Westbrook, 20. And Gordon had 21 to go with Harden, 17, which was abysmal for him. Where the bugaboo for Harden was, Mike, was the 4 of 15 from uh, in terms of field goals. He was 1 of 9 from 3. He couldn't throw it in the ocean. He played like uh, I do on a weekend. I mean, just that bad. I mean, he just couldn't hit anything. But when you look at the situation, James Harden better right the ship in a hurry because if he scores 70 points against the Lake Show, this will be a quick run for them. But they get two days rest and have to play the Lakers. Not a great matchup for them with those big men against a small ball. Do you think that there's any way this Rocket team could pull it off? Well, it's going to be very difficult because, like I say, with uh, Davis in the middle and, of course, LeBron, uh, you know, those are the two uh, catalysts for the Lakers. Uh, it's going to be an uphill struggle because, uh, like you say, small ball. But, again, if they shoot the ball, uh, halfway decent. If they can, uh, they're going to put some pressure on the Lakers, uh, with their offense. If, if, and that's a big if, if they can, uh, continue to shoot the ball at a halfway decent clip. If they can do that, they're going to be in games. But again, uh, I just don't think, uh, the, I think the size of the Lakers is uh, going to be too much, uh, for, for the Rockets in this series. Absolutely. Now to your team, your Boston Celtics. Can you believe it? Up two games to nothing. Jason Tatum has been electric. The Raptors in trouble. Uh, what do you think about this series, Mike? I mean, it's exceeding your expectations. Ben Maitland said you got to be uh, jumping uh, up and down and doing all kinds of uh, happy dances on this one, but your Celtics are looking great. Didn't expect this. I mean, I expected it to be a competitive series, but I didn't think the Celtics would win the first two games and go up two love in this series. But, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, they were down by, I believe, 12 in the late in the third quarter. Uh, but then, uh, Kemba Walker, big fourth quarter, 11 of the 17 and, uh, great defense at the end. Tatum, uh, Brad Stevens had to mention this in the post game. Uh, when the uh, chance to tie the ball game for Toronto, they came down and a lot of players will back up the, uh, inside the three-point arc. Tatum didn't. He stopped at the three-point line, put his hand up, and was forced a very difficult three-point attempt to try to tie the game late in that one. So a very smart play by Tatum. And, boy, this young man has really taken off in these playoffs. He struggled last year in his second year, and I thought maybe that uh, Danny Ainge, this guy, this kid might be a bust, but he's really played well. They're moving the ball, uh, we mentioned, uh, in previous uh, talking to each other, Jamie, that, you know, the Celtics move the ball, get the assist, and they're finding the open man. Marcus Smart drew with an unbelievable 
uh, outburst. He had five threes, had 21 the other night, and the Celtics are just getting it done. Uh, I thought rebounding would be a, a problem, although this is a little bit different uh, series because Philadelphia has such a physical front with Embiid and company and Tobias Harris. This team, Toronto, is not quite the physical matchup that Philadelphia is, so that's allowing Daniel Tice, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, and the other guys to get the rebounds and be a little bit more even on the boards, and I think that's one of the keys to this series as well. And, like I said, the Celtics are really playing not only good offense moving the ball, but they're also playing outstanding defense as well in uh, containing Lowry and company. Turn our attention to Major League Baseball. The sad news is Mike Neville, our special guest, course owner of MHN Productions, covers high school, college, and pro sports. As, uh, he's done it for a long time. And, of course, Mike is a longtime uh, New Yorker, grew up in upstate New York, and, of course, uh, followed all the sports in that New York metropolitan area. And, of course, the sad news, the passing of the great one himself, Mr. Met Tom Seaver, 75 years of age. Let's take a listen here in just a second to his Hall of Fame. I want you to listen to a part of his Hall of Fame induction speech. We'll play for you, Mike, and we'll get your remembrances of Tom Seaver. Of course, I rate him as one of the top 10 all-time pitchers, and I'll talk about that momentarily. Let's take a listen again to the late Tom Seaver in his Hall of Fame induction speech. Where can you possibly start to say the words that will express what has taken place in a man's life over a 20-year period and beyond? For me, it's the last beautiful flower in the perfect bouquet. Anyone would think that a young kid from Fresno, California would ever end up in Cooperstown, New York. You say, how in the world can it happen? And it can happen very easily when you have the kinds of friends, the kinds of people, the kinds of support, the kinds of education, and most importantly, the kinds of family that I've had in my 47 years of living. Mike, I want to get your take. Tom Seaver, Tom Terrific, as they called him, 311 wins, 205 losses, ERA 2.86. A guy that was just absolutely magical for a time for the Mets, and he led him to a world title, of course, did great things. Uh, Cy Young winner, all-star, did everything a pitcher could do for a team. Your take on Tom Seaver. Well, uh, of course, uh, when it's right there in the prime of me, uh, myself growing up, uh, Tom Seaver, and it's not true that I saw a Walter Johnson pitch. Just want to clarify that real quick. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Tom Seaver, a class act and, uh, you know, Tom terrific. And you heard by that speech, uh, what, uh, how very humble he is and it was, you know, and, uh, just unbelievable, you know, with the, the back there with Seaver and Kuzman, uh, on the, uh, the Mets staff and, uh, growing up, Bob Gibson, my favorite pitcher of all time when he was with the Cardinals, uh, and uh, just, uh, you know, back, uh, you know, those pitchers really, unlike today, they went more than four or five innings. They didn't rely on specialists to come in. They would go the distance. And uh, Tom Seaver, with over 300 wins, certainly deserves uh, to be in the Hall of Fame, rightfully so. But, uh, yeah, it brings back great memories of watching the Mets and uh, play. And, of course, that great series with Baltimore and, uh, you know, the, the Mets, uh uh, you know, just getting it done, uh, winning a championship. And uh, Seaver was uh, obviously a big part of that and just a tremendous competitor and uh, just a very smart pitcher, you know, very, very smart and uh, just uh, was a joy to watch, much like Greg Maddox uh, later on in, in baseball. Uh, very, I thought those two were very similar in the way they approached the game and the way they were able to uh, think the game out and, and think of uh, what the next pitch was going to be and so forth. Just It was just a joy to watch. 
Quit sucking up to Ben Maitland, please. Anyway, um, <laughs> I do want I do want to tell you this. Uh, I know you watched the Satchel Pages and the Christy Mathewsons. We'll, we'll talk about that on another show uh, as you did that. But real quick, before we go, one last question. The Cubs have announced plans for a sports book at Wrigley Field. Okay, this is the first of many. Comerica Park, they're going to have a sports book there. Sports betting is the rage now, my friend. It's coming to Cincinnati's Riverfront Stadium if they were in Riverfront Stadium, which are not anymore. But uh, dating back then, if they had betting back then, uh, who knows what would happen. But we do know Pete Rose was accused of all that stuff. Now if Cincinnati Stadium has betting in there, which it will eventually, what's it take? How do you keep Pete Rose away when now baseball is saying, hey, betting's good now. Back then, not so much, but now it's okay, but we're still going to keep this guy out for what he did. Well, Jamie, we've talked many times. How do you keep the greatest hitter in baseball history out of the Hall of Fame? There's been there's folks that have been elected and uh, are in the Hall of Fame that have a lot uh, worse past, uh, you know, past uh, uh, accomplishments and uh, past uh, situations that you really don't want to talk about. I just don't, you know, I think when I was growing up, and I know you saw him, you know, Charlie Hustle was his name. He just meant so much to the game because he brought so much hustle and, and just a love for the game. You just saw how much he loved to compete and loved to play. And uh, I just think it's a travesty that this guy is not in the Hall of Fame, and I'm not sure he'll ever get in. Uh, and it's, it's just a, a shame. You know, hopefully he gets in uh, before he passes, but uh, it's just uh, a crying shame that this guy, with what he brought to the game of baseball, he, he brought, I know he had more. More, he brought more fans to the game just because of his uh, desire to play and his hustle, and uh, it's just a shame that he's being treated this way by Major League Baseball. You know, it's so funny that if 100 years from now they say, oh, let's let Pete Rose in uh, posthumously. I mean, <laughs> it, it won't matter at that point. I mean, let the man is still alive. He's getting older. Let him enjoy the remaining years he has as a member of the Hall of Fame. Yes, he's flawed, but there are many flawed people in the Hall of Fame. Yep. And Pete Rose deserves this spot. And we've always gone on record saying this because when you watch as a father or a mother, if you were to say to your son or daughter, how do you play the game? Watch this guy, number 14. Just watch him and everything he does. And that's the way you play the game. All out, you give your fans everything, you give your teammates everything, your coaches, and that's the way the game was meant to be played. My take. I'm going to come back with Mike Neville and look at the NFL. All kinds of uh, things happening. I'll tell you, Ben Malin got me so excited moments ago. Folks, this time next Thursday, we'll be hours away from the start of the NFL season. We're going to talk about all the excitement and all the things happening around the NFL as the Sports King rolls on Thursday morning. Hi, this is Bob Dennis from the world champion Washington Bullet, and you are listening to Sports King Show with Jamie King on Sports 1061. You're listening to the man who thinks that Velcro is nothing more than a ripoff. The Sports King on Sports 1061. Welcome back, everybody. Thursday morning alongside our great friend Mike Neville, longtime broadcaster, owner of MHM Productions. We'll rejoin Mike momentarily. I do want to let you know that we are the official home of the Alabama Crimson Tide. The ball games heard here. Coaches shows heard here. It's all here on Sports 106.1. And beyond that, we also cover the Carolina Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater, Matt Rule and company, Christian McCaffrey, all here on Sports 106.1. 
How excited are you about football starting seven days from now? I know I'm excited. I know Mike Neville's excited. Ben Maitland's excited. Let's go down south. Coach Ogeron, what do you have to say? Go Tigers! Fantastic. As long as he's all in, I'm all in. And now we want to go to the Sports King Sports Desk. Ben Maitland, who always has breaking news, information, has something on the NFL side. What's up, Ben? Good morning again, Jamie. Yes, the Seattle Seahawks have re-signed wide receiver uh, Josh Gordon per his agent. He gets a one-year deal with some upside to get him over the $1 million, mar- $1 million mark upon reinstatement. As of now, he is still waiting to be reinstated. But Seahawks have re-signed, again, wide receiver Josh Gordon. That's per his agent, one-year deal, and could get him over a million dollars as far as the uh, the upside when he's reinstated. If he's reinstated, he is, again, still waiting for that. So just a little bit of breaking news on the free, on the football front uh, there with Josh Gordon. Back to you. Okay, thank you so much. Ben Maitland Manning, uh, all the information there. Mike Neville bringing you back in the conversation. The huge news, I wanted this for the Washington football team. That's, that's my team. Uh, I wanted some running ability. To, uh, to supplement what we have with Adrian Peterson. I wanted Leonard Fournette. No can do. The Patriots have an issue in their running attack. They were looking at him to bring him in, but didn't get it done. So it looks like, of course, uh, their running back Harris has a hand injury, couldn't miss the opener. So they were looking at Fournette coming in. But Leonard Fournette is going to join Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now you've got Ronald Jones, who's a speedy slasher. You've got, uh, of course, Shady McCoy. You're familiar with him, former Buffalo Bill running back as well, and Eagle running back out of the backfield. Big reception guy out of the backfield can also, you know, make the outside runs as well as anybody. Now you got a power back that can catch in Fournette. It seems like they've got all the pieces there on the offensive side of the ball for Tampa. Mike, should we start printing Super Bowl tickets up in Tampa just now? Uh, not so fast. I think they're uh, certainly going to be in the hunt for a playoff position, but I'm not sure you can say they're uh, Super Bowl uh, contenders just yet. However, that big sigh of relief you heard out of Western New York is that he didn't, that Fournette did not go to the Patriots like I thought he would. So, uh, you know, he goes, Tom Brady flashes those Super Bowl rings, and that uh, brought him to Tampa Bay. What a great pickup for the uh, Bucks! And, of course, uh, both of us like uh, Bruce Arians as the uh, head coach, and uh, they're going to be a force to deal with, but uh, I'm not sure you can call them Super Bowl contenders just yet because usually, uh, you know, you get a – even though – Brady's a veteran. You figure they're going to be uh, do pretty well, but again, uh, new a new environment for Brady, a uh, new coach, and so forth. It might take a little bit of time to get rolling, but uh, they're certainly going to be in the playoff hunt. There's no doubt about that. Turning our attention, New England Patriots have informed veteran wide receiver Mohamed Sanu they're going to release him. I think with Washington, we're not good as far as tight end. We've got Jeremy Sprinkle. We've got, uh, of course. Uh, the former uh, quarterback at Virginia Tech, Logan Thomas, no great shakes at uh, the tight end H-back type slot. I'd love to see Sanu in there in the middle. I think he'd be a big target for the Washington football team. I'd like him. What about you in Buffalo? Any room for him there? Where do you think he might land? Well, he's not going to land in Buffalo, I can tell you that. And the reason is that their wide receiver room is packed. Let me tell you, with cut-down day coming up, I believe they got to get down to 53 by Saturday. I'm surprised we haven't seen uh, much movement from any team as far as cuts. But you're going to see some really 
popular and veteran names being released. I'll tell you, with regard to the Bills, Jamie, uh, they have some really good wide receivers that they're going to have to cut because uh, it is such a deep pool. And uh, I'm really fearful of the Patriots picking up somebody that the Bills cut or the Jets uh, who are in desperate need of wide receivers as well. So, uh, And there's other you know wide receivers, of course, uh, in other positions that you're going to see veterans be cut. So uh, this thing is going to shape up. Uh, you're going to see some names go to teams that you're going to be very upset. Uh, I think uh, Sanu would be an excellent fit with Ron Rivera and uh, the Washington football team. Uh, I think that'd be a terrific pickup. I, I, I've always liked Sanu, uh, but for some reason it just hasn't worked out in New England. Uh, but uh, again, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him uh, land in Washington and uh, help out Dwayne Haskins in the, in the offense. Mike, we know about the usual suspects. You've got the Kansas City Chiefs, who I think will repeat. Uh, you've got Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Many people think they're ready to ascend to the top spot. You've got other teams out there like the 49ers. Uh, we know who the usual suspects are, and we know your team, the Buffalo Bills, is a team there, not the favorites, but a team that people expect to make a run. When you look at the landscape of the NFL, you know who the usual suspects are. Who have you kind of circled out there and said, hey, wait a minute, what about these guys? Don't forget these guys because they may come up and bite you when you least expect it. Uh, two teams, Jamie, in the AFC that I uh, uh, think may be uh, teams that could slide into the playoffs and make some noise. Indianapolis uh, with Phillip Rivers uh, at the helm. Uh, they've got some decent weapons, and uh, I like uh, Frank Reich as a coach, not because he's a – Okay, yeah, because he's the next Bill. But anyways, I think he's a very good coach. And Pittsburgh, I think the Steelers, uh, you know, and you may say, well, they're the usual suspects, and they are. But Big Ben coming back, uh, a lot of pressure on him, you know, trying to see if that elbow can withstand 16 games if the uh, NFL is able to play a full slate of games. Uh, but I think Pittsburgh is just so dangerous offensively uh, that they're going to they're going to rebound and, be, and they're going to get Baltimore all they want for that division crown. So I would say those two teams in the AFC – uh, the NFC, uh, I don't know. The one team I think is overrated, in my opinion, and I, I hope you agree with me, is Green Bay. You know, everybody's talking about Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a terrific player, but uh, I kind of think he's overrated, and he's getting up there in age where he might not be able to escape uh, the rush like he has in the past. So I think that team, number one, is one of the most overrated teams uh, in the NFL. That's, again, just my opinion. But uh, I look for maybe the Rams to bounce back uh, this year. I'm not a big Jared Goff fan, but I do think uh, they've got some weapons as well. And I think with Aaron Donald on that uh, defense, I think that's a team that might might bounce back. So there's uh, a few teams there that uh, you know could surprise. But again, uh, like you say, uh, I, I just think Green Bay, they're in a weak division which helps them, uh, you know, possibly uh, make the playoffs. But I'm just not, not sold on the Packers as being a powerhouse like they have been in years past. Of course, the Packers, Mike Neville's referring to our special guest, uh, Matt LaFleur's uh, offense, 17th last year, 233.3 yards through the air, 112 rushing yards per game, 15th overall. They're in the middle of the pack. They're offensively points for 23.5 points against 19.6 the Packers though end up 13 and 3 and as you said they got Minnesota Chicago and Detroit in that NFC North uh, you see them winning it again you think the Vikings will um, ascend to the top spot 
Last year, 13-3, I don't see them improving on that. I think it would be hard for them to reach that again this year. What's your take? I know not a strong division overall, but the Bears could be improving with Nick Foles, who I think should start, but they're probably going to let Trubisky go. And then the Detroit Lions, uh, Gary Bagwell's team down there in Florida, he is just livid. I mean, just I talked to the guy. He tells me just how much anger or resentment he has towards Matthew Stafford. He's just not happy with the leadership at the quarterback position. He wants him out of there in the worst way. And I tell him, Gary, I can't do anything. I can't do anything until you get rid of Matt Patricia, who I think is one of the bigger problems there overall. What do you see in this division? How, how does it shake up in the NFC North? Well, I don't know why the uh, young Lions fan is upset at Matthew Stafford. I mean, the guy was on pace to throw for over 5,000 yards last year. I mean, I think he's a terrific quarterback. I think the problem is at the at the top with uh, Patricia, uh, Matt Patricia. I don't. Uh, I I think he's better off as a coordinator. We've seen that happen a lot of times in the NFL, where where guys move into the head coaching spot and just don't pan out. You know, Norm North Turner, I think, comes to mind. Terrific offensive coordinator, but I'm not sure he's a head coach. And and there's a lot of uh, guys you can say that about. I think Detroit can surprise i really do uh but again uh stafford has to stay healthy that's the key and then that's the key to this whole thing for any any team this year is you know the depth quality of depth you have plus you know staying healthy throughout the uh if it is a 16 game season chicago is a they're a mess i mean uh you know this quarterback situation i don't know what the uh, bears saw in trubisky i mean he had that one good year and got him into the playoffs they've got a terrific defense with khalil mack coming in there over from the raiders but i just this team to me is just puzzling uh, on all phases. And uh, Minnesota, uh, I know you're not a big Kirk Cousins fan, but uh, I do like Mike Zimmer. Uh, they lost Griffin, the defensive uh, lineman, uh, you know, to free agency or to trade. I'm not sure which it was, but, uh, you know, but Minnesota, I think, could be a factor. Uh, I would say probably Minnesota and Green Bay would fight it out for the top spot. But again, uh, with regard to the Packers, I think the other thing with the Packers, too, is, you know, they drafted a quarterback, uh, I believe his name was Love, in the first yes. round this past year yep, uh, and that that didn't sit well with Aaron Rodgers I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers is happy in Green Bay and you know there's been some speculation that he may not finish his career in Green Bay which would be a shame because when you think of uh, Aaron Rodgers the first thing you think of is he's a Packer he's a Packer for life right. and right. of course that doesn't happen a lot of times anymore but uh, I think I don't think he's happy with that now that might flip the other way where he's got a chip on his shoulder and he wants to prove that he can still get it done so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, in Green Bay with that situation. Yeah, Gary, our resident Lions fan, he, he just went over and lamented uh, the starting record of uh, Stafford about how bad he is in uh, key moments. And, you know, it is what it is. The Lions just uh, abysmal, and they just can't get out of their own way. I think it's more of a situation with them on the coaching front, and, you know, they need players for sure. Let's turn our attention, Mike. Let's go out uh, to the desert and talk about those Cardinals in the NFC West. You've got the Cardinals. You just mentioned Jared Goff, the Niners, and the Seahawks, a tough division. Uh, I know the Niners have really improved in the offseason, but I am not, as you well know, a Kyle Shanahan fan. Every time he gets in a big game, he chokes, and uh, he just doesn't. Uh, anytime you're up 28-3 to in a Super Bowl and you lose, and the plays he made I think were abysmal, and he gets a pass for whatever reason. Last year, they lose after leading the Chiefs, but I just don't think he's a big game coach. Just my take. Arizona's improving. Kyler Murray getting stronger, getting faster, getting better there. Jared Goff, we don't know what he's going to do. I think he's one of those middle-range type guys. And the Seahawks with Russell Wilson. What's your take on this West, and who do you give an edge to? 
I, I'm gonna. I, I like Seattle. I think Russell Wilson uh, is really uh, some kind of player, and uh, you know uh, the uh, guy they drafted, uh, and I can't think of his name right now, the wide receiver who really came out late in the year. Um, I think he's uh, going to be even better this year, and I, I like Seattle. I think uh, that's the team that's going to win the division. And by the way, Jamie, your former. Uh, uh, Redskins, now Washington football team's tight end, Jordan Reed. Apparently, from what I understand, he's doing very well in 49er camp. I know you don't want to hear that. Uh, this guy has been injury-prone throughout his career, but apparently, uh, I'll tell you, if he can get going along with Kittle, uh, that could be quite uh, a duo in uh, San Francisco. Yeah, but uh, yeah, as thanks, far as uh, thanks, I like Seattle, yeah. I think yeah, Seattle's thanks, the Mike. team uh, in the West. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Mike. Nothing like hearing that about uh, Jordan Reed, who had concussion issues here in Washington, couldn't get on the field in Washington because of concussions and uh, spent more time on IR than, uh, I don't know, just ridiculous. But anyway, so Jordan Reed can't play here because of concussion issues and all his other injury issues. He can't find the field. But, hey, let me go out to San Francisco, and all of a sudden, hey, things are going great. Me and Kittle are playing well. Everything's hunky-dory. Makes me sick. And then, of course, Trent Williams out there. I heard he's having some great contests with Nick Bosa as far as the offensive line versus the defensive line out there. He's getting better. Another player that now is out there, of course, he'll probably thrive there too. So, yeah, I hate to hear that, but uh, hopefully uh, Reed has a good uh, final few years of his career. But unbelievable there. (laughs) What about the AFC West, Mike? Denver Broncos, KC Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Chargers. And this one... I like these Raiders, man. I'm excited about their new stadium. I'm excited about John Gruden. I think they have a real shot to ascend there. But just uh, unfortunately right now, this KC Chiefs squad, I think is going to go in that uh, two- to four-year run where I don't see teams beating this group. They're that talented. Your take on that AFC West. Yeah, I think if Kansas City, if they still have that hunger, which I think Andy Reid will make sure they have that hunger, you know, Mahomes is unbelievable at the quarterback position, and uh, you'd have to say that they have to be the favorites. I'm with you, though. The Raiders, boy, on paper, they're, you know, they've got some offensive uh, players, and uh, I'm not a big John Gruden fan as far as the head coach goes, but I think that's a team that you want to watch out for. They could be a sleeper. And I don't understand, Jamie, there's a lot of uh, so-called experts that think Denver is a team that may uh, come through, and I just don't see it. I know Drew Locke is going to be their quarterback, and he played pretty well late in the season last year, but I, I just don't see it. I don't see Denver being that big of a factor. I mean, uh, but there's uh, some people, uh, some, like I said, so-called experts say they're going to be a, a playoff team. I just don't see it with, uh, with the uh, Broncos. I don't know if you do or not, but I, I just don't see it. Yeah, I don't. I just don't see Drew Locke. He's a good player. I just don't see him ascending uh, to take over anything great in that uh, AFC West. Uh, before we go to break, I do want to ask you on this AFC South. You've got the Houston Texans with Bill O'Brien, who is an absolute joke as a GM. A good, solid coach, but he can't do both. He doesn't have a great eye for talent. You let DeAndre Hopkins leave as a head coach. I know this. Players play. you got to have Johnnies and Joes. And that one guy is a guy that can extend the field. So I do not want to lose my number one playmaker because they couldn't get along for whatever reason, I guess. They jettisoned him off to the desert. you got the Colts. you got the Jaguars who are abysmal. They're having a fire sale down there. Uh, Tennessee Titans, of course, were the class of the league with Derrick Henry and company. You expect it to be Titans again, but the one team you circled earlier, those Colts, and I see the Colts getting much better. You think this is a two-horse race in that AFC South, or do you think the the Titans are going to win it again? 
Now, I think it comes down to the Colts and the Titans. Uh, the, the key to the Titans, of course, is Ryan Tannehill. He had uh, an unbelievable year last year. Can he do it again? That's one thing that his DNA says no because he does, he's not, has not been that consistent throughout his career. So, I mean, that's a big key. And again, Derrick Henry, uh, you know, they're going to rely on his running, but, uh, I think teams will find a way to uh, stop him. I wouldn't want to get in front of him, I can tell you that. But they have some great skill players, uh, wide receivers. So uh, I could see the Titans, you know, getting to the playoffs again and, again, making a deep run in the playoffs. But having said that, I think Indianapolis is a team that's going to give them all they want to handle. And with regard to the uh, Texans, I, you know, Jamie, you get rid of DeAndre Hopkins, and I can tell you from that playoff game with the Bills in that opening round last year, DeAndre Hopkins is unbelievable. He's going to really make Kyler Murray better in Arizona. I just, Bill O'Brien as a GM, I mean, that that failed uh, is, and is failing. Uh, he's a pretty decent coach, but I'm sure Deshaun Watson is just shaking his head going, what are you doing to me? This is ridiculous. And, of course, Jacksonville, it's a mess. Jacksonville is just, there's nothing good about Jacksonville going on right now. Absolutely. We're going to take a time out, come back in the final 15. I want to find out about that AFC North division. Of course, we'll find out from Mike Neville there. Talk about the AFC East, his favorite division, of course, and a look at my division, the Washington football team's division, that old NFC East, the usual cast of characters. Who does Mike think is going to come out on top? We'll find all that out as the Sports King rolls on Thursday morning. Hi, this is actor Matthew Rauch. I played Burton on the hit series Banshee on Cinemax. You are listening to my friend, Jamie King, the sports king, who told me I'm welcome on his show anytime, as long as I keep my glasses on. Looking for a top-tier university that is affordable? Coastal Carolina University offers more than 100 undergraduate and graduate programs designed to help you earn your degree. Visit coastal.edu and learn more about the coastal commitment to student learning and student-led research. Coastal Carolina University is consistently ranked as a top best value university in the South. Visit coastal.edu to learn more and schedule your campus tour. The Sports King Studio Line is now open. If you got a sports question, thoughts on your mind about your favorite team, we'd love to hear from you at 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. Welcome you back for the final 10 minutes of the program. Sports King on Facebook Live, Sports 1061. Just a programming note, I'll be off tomorrow, and we'll be off for the extended weekend, holiday weekend, of course, uh, returning Tuesday on these airways. We're rejoined by our great friend Mike Neville, one of the great broadcasters out there I've ever known, and a mentor to me. Uh, remember listening to him on the old Vic Trolla when I was a young lad of... <laughs> Anyway, I digress. Uh, as we get back to our look at the NFL, as we look back at the NFL, Mike, the AFC North, you've got Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. You got the Bengals, the Browns, the Steelers. Steelers uh, with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger might surprise. Steeler Nation has been on me to say, don't forget about those Steelers. So I'm not. Plus, I have one in my home, so I have to listen to it all the time. Uh, Cleveland Browns, uh, the chic pick last year, new coach, new philosophy. Maybe they'll get better. Maybe they won't. Joe Burrow and company there in Cincinnati can't get any worse for them. I expect them to win a few and have growing pains, but they'll get better there in Ohio. And it's all about the Ravens. Do you think it's just the Ravens and everybody else playing for second? 
It's a two-horse race, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. That's it. Uh, let's just dispense of Cleveland and Cincinnati, all right? Let's just throw them away because forget about it. Uh, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, This is uh, these two are going to battle it out. They've had some wars over the years. It's going to continue to be that way, very physical. Both teams very physical defensively. And uh, Lamar Jackson, unbelievable. Uh, of course, the defending M- MVP. Uh, it, it's Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Uh, it's a two-team race in the AFC North, Jamie. Who that nation in Dog Pound, please send your hate mail to 1061 <laughs> Neville. Uh, AFC East, uh, uh-oh, his ears have perked up over this one. The Bills, the Dolphins, the Patriots, and the Jets. No Tom Brady. He's happy about that. The Jets should be eh, the Jets. The Patriots uh, with Cam Newton, we don't know where we're going to get there, but they may not be as bad as some people think. They're always going to be competitive. We know that. The Dolphins with Tua, will he play? Will it be Fitzmagic? We don't know. We know what Buffalo's going to do. Mike, when you shake this out, we know you're hopeful for your Bills to to ascend to that top spot. How do you see it playing out? Uh, again, I think it's a two-team race, Buffalo and New England battling for the top spot. Uh, a lot of people are, are poo-pooing uh, New England, but let me tell you, they're going to be uh, in the hunt because Cam Newton, a quarterback, number one, and a guy named Belichick is the head coach, perhaps the greatest coach of all time. Uh, in the, uh, they've lost a lot of defensive players, but uh, this is, a, again, a two-team race. I think Miami is a team you want to watch out for. I think that team is up and coming. I, think, I like Brian Flores. He did a great job near the end of that last, uh, last year. They dealt Dolphins were very competitive. You remember last week of the season, New England needing a win to get a first-round bye, and Fitzmagic uh, got the magic going, and they beat New England in that season finale. I think that this is a team that is on the rise. They made some terrific pickups in uh, free agency, and uh, again, uh, I think it's a team on the rise. The Jets, uh, the Jets are a couple of years away. I think Sam Donald's a good coach, a uh, good uh, quarterback. I'm not very, I'm not sold on Adam Gase as their coach. And their offensive line is kind of a mess. They're trying to, you know, get that together. Uh, they've got a pretty decent defense. Greg Williams does a good job with that defense. But uh, again, I think it's a Buffalo and New England. It'll be battling it out for the top spot. One minute left, Mike, uh, on this segment. Uh, Cowboys, Giants, uh, the G-Men, the Eagles, Washington football team. Washington football team just named Dwayne Haskins Jr. starting quarterback. How do you see this division shaping up? Uh, I, I like the Cowboys. I think uh, with the coaching change, McCarthy will be uh, uh, make those guys uh, demand them guys to play well. I think uh, with the offensive weapons they've got in Prescott, uh, C.D. Lamb, the rookie, and of course Amari Cooper and uh, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, I think the Cowboys uh, win this division. Oh yeah, real excited about that. And one division we didn't touch on: thirty seconds, uh, the South, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Saints, and the Buccaneers. Uh, looks like another two horse race there. Yeah, I think it's, it comes down to the Saints and the Buccaneers, although I think Atlanta could be a surprise team in that division. Uh, uh, again, they did they did a nice job of uh, rebounding late in the season last year, but I think uh, it'll be the uh, Saints and the Bucks uh, battling it out for the top spot. Mike, as always, enjoy the hour flies by with you, my friend. Thank you for covering a wide variety of sports. Always love having you on. Have a great holiday weekend. We're going to head back to headquarters momentarily to Ben Maitland with some news and notes. But we thank you so much for joining us each and every week on the Sports King Show. All right, buddy. Have a good long weekend. You and Ben both. Good talking to you. You got it. Now we go back to the Sports King Sports Desk. Ben Maitland is standing by. He's got some news and notes before we close it out. Ben? Good morning again, Jamie. Yes, just to run through... A couple things here with a few minutes left in the show this morning on a Thursday. Uh, Looking at the Major League Baseball slate for today, very uh, limited action, not a full slate of games here on a Thursday. 
We'll start in Pittsburgh. Cubs and Pirates get underway at 135 this afternoon. Uh, 210 start for the Rangers and the Astros. And a good pitching matchup there. Lance Lynn, who was surprisingly not dealt at the trade deadline on Monday. That surprised a lot of people, myself included, that Lynn didn't find himself uh, in another uniform and at the trade deadline on Monday. I think that was probably the most surprising thing that, that didn't happen on Monday uh, for Major League Baseball's trade deadline. He takes the hill for Texas. Uh, this game down at Minute Maid Park in Houston, Zach Grinke gets the balls for the gets the ball for the Astros. Again, a good pitching matchup right there. Nationals Phillies, I believe, concluding their series this afternoon at 4:05. That's the first pitch in that one. Anibal Sanchez and Zach Eflin, um, the two starting pitchers there. Yankees and Mets starting a Subway Series. Jay Happ and Robert Zellman on the mound in that game for 10 Eastern Time. Actually, I, uh, that game might be a, a makeup. I'm not entirely sure. I'd have to double check that one myself. Uh, going out west, Padres Angels, Mike Clevenger making his Padres debut. That was the big name dealt on Monday uh, at the trade deadline. Clevenger going from the Indians to the Padres again, making his Pods debut in Anaheim, uh, taking on Andrew Heaney. Uh, Taiwan Walker making his debut for the Toronto Blue Jays tonight in Boston, taking on the Red Sox. That game starts at 7.30. Uh, Padres Angels backtracking. That game starts at 7.10 Eastern time. Uh, White Sox Royals tonight, Dylan Cease and Danny Duffy. On the mound in that one, 8.05 start time. And then Diamondbacks, Dodgers, an NL West matchup tonight. Uh, Luke Weaver and Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw 4-1 and one with a 1.80 ERA, looking like Clayton Kershaw always has uh, in a Dodgers uniform. The Dodgers keep rolling right along. They're 28-10 uh, now this season. That game gets started at 9.40. So just a look at the Major League Baseball slate, and I'll send it back to you here as we wrap up. Hey Ben, real quick, the Nationals, my team, World Champs, uh, reeling twelve and twenty-two. We're past the midway point. I got to ask you, uh, yeah, I don't see any way right now. Everything's going in reverse here. Anibal Sanchez gets the ball tonight, one and four. You think it's done in terms of nation's capital, or, or can they have one last shot of resurgence here? I just don't know right now. The way and the vibe of this team look very bad. I would be inclined to agree with you. Sitting at twelve and twenty-two, it would be incredibly difficult i think for them to make a run uh without steven strasburg that's a big void no anthony rendon i don't know how much third base production they've gotten this year but it's certainly not on the level that rendon was capable of some bright spots of course juan soto you can make the arguments the best hitter in the entire sport at the moment victor robles is a bright spot Trey turner but the um the pieces are not there i don't think to make a run here in a shortened season now with one month left to go and I'll tell you real quick, I would have always taken Rendon over Strasburg. I like the five-day every uh, versus a five-day guy every fifth day. I like the everyday player more than I do the pitcher. And just my take on that, even though Strasburg's a great pitcher, I'll take the everyday guy. For Ben, I'm Jamie. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and we'll see you back next Tuesday. Have a great weekend.